everyone. Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we talk about life after the offer letter. In today's episode, we are going to talk about a topic very close to my heart, to my wounds, and to my corporate America trauma, and that is being fired. I have on Catalina Pena, who is also a career coach, a woman of color, and someone who has been fired. And she and I are able to share and exchange stories on what it was like to be fired and how we picked up the pieces. This episode is really special to me because when I think back at my lowest point professionally, it was after I was admittedly graciously let go. I was given time to get my arrangements in order, but I left that job thinking that I had nothing to offer a company. I was ready to leave corporate behind and live a very uh, uninspired life because I thought that was all I was worth. And I didn't have friends who had been fired. I didn't have a ton of colleagues who had been fired. So, and I definitely didn't have parents who had been fired. So I didn't really know who or where to go or talk to. And this is the episode I wish I would have had all those years ago. So I hope it can be a gift to someone else. And if you are not fired (laughs) or have never been fired, hopefully you can share this episode with someone else. Uh, So with that, I am so excited to debut this episode. And hey, if you learn anything from it, one of the best ways you can support the podcast is to leave a five-star review and or even write out a review. I know that's like a little extra commitment, but I'm committed to you all. Anyhow, I'm so, so grateful that Kat came on and let's talk about life. Not after the offer letter, but life after uh, the severance package or the signing of an NDA. A lot happens when you get fired. Okay, let's get into it. Bye. Hi, Catalina. Thank you so much for being here today. Yes. uh, Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation, I think. We've had amazing conversations in the past, and this will just be a recording of those amazing conversations. (laughs) No, exactly, exactly. And for those who may not be familiar with your story, just walk us through your path to your coaching business, Catalyst Creation, and what you've been doing the last few years. Yeah, definitely. So I think my story is, I don't know, it's a a little unique, but also resonant. resonant with a lot of other people's stories, I think. So I am a 1.5 generation Afro-Latina who moved here when I was nine. So I moved from Colombia to the States um, when I was nine to Texas. Um, And I always start there because that was such a, (laughs) like a really big deal. Like, I I think I downplay that, but like, I'm like, when you move from one country to another, and thankfully I had a lot of privilege in that, but it's still quite an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case, I didn't really have, we didn't have a lot. So we left, we lost everything in Colombia. Um, 
And I came, we came in with a duffel bag and like a few thousand dollars, I think, which is a lot more than a lot of people come with, but that's really where it all started. So we didn't really have a place to live for the first three months. Uh, and we, you know, I was on, we were on government assistance, thankfully, cause I'm a U.S. citizen, but, um, you know, it was really tough. It was really tough. It was a really tough start. And, you know, I kind of, through that, I say that because my mom, you know, was a single mom um, raising me and my sister, but I had to learn a lot of independence at a really young age. And so that really propelled me into being a high achiever throughout my life. And, you know, I got a Fulbright scholarship to Nebraska and I went there because I was like, they're paying me to go. Like, that's amazing. And then I just continued and followed like just everything that life threw at me. So it just really became, you know, since I moved at such a young age, it really just became like, okay, life is about change. And I really have no control. And I'm just going to follow everything that I, you know, that comes my way. And so doing all of that, I ended up going to Johnson and Johnson for my first, um, first company, and then moved to Facebook, Twitter, Andreessen Horowitz and Asana. Um, And, you know, throughout my career, I would say, Like it was great and there was a lot of things that I learned, but also it was really tough because I also got fired three times and I got Mm -hmm. laid off once. And, you know, coming from, you know, an immigrant background, it was just, you know, that was the worst thing you could do. How dare you get fired? How dare you, how dare you like do that, you know, dishonor like the the struggle or, you know, (laughs) so there's a lot to to get over. But um, after the third time I got fired, I was just like, you know what, something, it's something is wrong. <laughs> like it's, it's clearly not working. And it's not because I'm not good at my job. It's really because of who, how I'm showing up at work. Something is not working and I don't know what it is. So I was like, at the time that I, uh, that I got fired, I actually had a, had a friend, a uh, dear friend, and she has a course um, on how to start courses. And her name is Danielle Leslie and she's super amazing. And you should definitely like, you know, buy her course if you can. And that really helped me get started in, uh, you know, developing like the framework for what would become catalyst creation. And, you know, I've learned a lot since then. It's been almost two years since, since that. And, you know, it's just now I'm actually, you know, coming to a, to a actual, like foothold of like, oh man, I'm an actual entrepreneur. Like this is actually happening. <laughs> like this is this is not just in my garage or, you know, my my living room anymore. This is actually a thing. And so it's it's been really cool to be able to go through that trans- transition specifically and and you know, I'm getting a little sentimental because I'm on Monday will be 22 years that I moved here and mo- like coming here with nothing and like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, I'm really thankful I had a lot of privileges, but truly starting from nothing um, to be able to say that I have my own company and have clients like the ones I have, like, and be in a financially secure position like that is such an, um, like such a crazy thing to me like that. I couldn't have even predicted where I was going to end up. Like if you would have asked baby Gata, like I would have just been like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. We're not, we're just going to go. Like we're just trying to make it to the end of the day. Okay. Yeah. And and the past like two years have really been me creating and designing versus the past 20 years of me taking and, or like taking Mm -hmm. what was handed to me, which I think is a story that 
a lot of uh, black and brown folks, BIPOC folks, underrepresented folks like understand. And there's so many incredible themes just in your introduction alone. And one I really want to touch on is the idea of Okay, the common denominator here is me. And I know you and I, we have really similar stories. There's a lot of overlap. I know I had to go through a season of resenting the fact that I was everywhere you go, there you are. Like I, and I resented myself and I sunk into this deep depression of thinking I'm unhirable and I have no skills because I can't hold down a job longer than a year. And then I was able to learn a few things that we'll get into this episode. But did you go through a season of disempowerment before being like, you know what, I can actually do this. I'm actually, I can be bad all by myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think the first time I got fired, I that was the first time I actually failed. So I think a lot of the work that I focus on in coaching, I um, specifically try to coach high achievers to slow down. Um, that's what I love. That's my sweet spot. Like, I love it. Um, you know, a lot of coaching I think is motivating others. Uh, I actually am not great at that. And I had to like, really be like, Oh, that's not my niche. My niche is actually pulling people back and hold and telling people to slow down. Um, because I didn't fail until I was 20. I think I was like, 25 the first time I failed like it was and like I don't mean that as like a bragging thing I mean that as like that is a very late time to fail because when you fail you fail big like you're not failing small you are failing big and I sunk into a a depression and I was like at at the at that time I didn't realize I was depressed but I definitely was depressed and I was like I don't know what to do and like you know what what is life like I like how, because I got fired in such a crazy way. So like I got fired, I went into the office and I was like, Hey, like I actually want to transfer from Silicon Valley to San Francisco. And they're like, yeah, we'll look into it. And then the next day they were like, Oh, sorry, like you're fired. <laughs> so I didn't do anything. I didn't do any. And, and, and like, <laughs> not to under, like not to undercount, like every time I've gotten fired, but it's, it's never really been about the job. Like it's never been about what I've been doing. It's been about how I've been showing up. So, so it felt really personal because it was, you know, and I was the only person of color. I was the only Afro Latina. I was the only black woman, Latina woman in that space. Everybody else did not look like me. They looked like the majority. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is personal. Like this is very personal to me. And so I, I felt really dejected. I felt so Mm you know and so and and then it kept happening and i was like you know and then the resiliency kicks in and you're like okay you know on to the next one it's fine on to the next one on to the next one and then that actually kind of happened when i started my company i was like fine they don't want me i want me that's cool and then uh you know i think this past year it's really been a year of patience it's been a real a year of really looking at myself and really, yeah, exactly. Resenting the fact that I am on this path and I didn't necessarily choose it. It kind of chose me and being like, I really, before starting my company, my biggest dream was to be like at a company for like 10 years and like get stock and, you know, have work friends and just live a really stable life. And for whatever reason, my 
who I am does not lend itself to that. And I'm doing incredible things. Um, but I'm learning like, okay, I can give that. I have to give that stability to myself in all shapes and forms. I think we have seen this with the pandemic. It is normal to be fired. I, Mm -hmm. I think before the pandemic, it was a scarlet letter on your resume to have an employment gap. And now it's like, baby, life happens, Mm -hmm. get Mm -hmm. over it. And then I also hope to continue the conversation that sometimes things aren't a fit or people, it is more personal. And it was something Mm -hmm. that you probably were never going to control. So do Mm -hmm. not wear the insecurities or the projections other people are trying to put on to you. Cause that was a mistake I made mm-hmm. when I was fired. Um, but how would you love to see just the conversation of being fired in general evolve mm-hmm. over the next decade? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I love this question. I haven't gotten this question. It's a really good question. Um, and you know, what Catalyst Creation doing is doing is my company, you know, um, we are, trying to revolutionize the hiring ecosystem because it does not work and it does not work specifically for underrepresented folks, specifically for BIPOC folks, specifically for women of color, Mm -hmm. um, specifically for black women. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I do identify as a black woman. I am Afro Latina, you know, I do have light skin privilege, like, but I'm still a black woman at the end of the day. And so the system failed me in so many ways. And I was, you know, now that I have the, I guess, the lessons, I'm like, how can we change this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you're telling me to think of like, oh, wow, what's my greatest, greater impact that I want to have? Um, and truly, it's, it's being a human about it. You know, that's all. That's, things happen. People don't fit, right? But I will share some of my stories that I'm just like, <laughs> Like what? And so it's like, so when I got fired the first time, it was, you know, like, hey, I asked for a, a transfer and then I got fired. Like that does not create trust at all. At and all. So, <laughs> and, and as <laughs> someone who traumatic. comes from a background that's like trauma informed, like, you know, and I had a pretty traumatic uh, childhood, you know, my, my dad, um, my dad actually left when I was younger. And that's part of the reason why, or not, not part, the whole reason we actually ended up coming here. Um, you know, trust is hard. Trust is hard for me. And I think for a lot of people of color, it's really tr- hard to trust the system. So if you're having these conversations from one day to the next, right, another time I got fired, I literally asked my manager, hey, am I getting fired? And she was like, no. And then I got fired the next day. So I was like, so I was like, what? Help a girl out. Right. And then, and then literally, I I think the last time, the last time I got fired, you know, I got put on a plan and I was like, is there a way to turn this around? They're like, yes, no, there was not there because they were, you know, they were talking about, um, one of the, one of the things on there was like, how do people feel about you? And I was like, that is not setting anyone up for success. Like I can't control how people feel about me. Like that's not, you know, and then when I got laid off, you know, I, um, you know, it was out of the blue. So there is just so a lack of humanity, right? A lack of humanity in, in what I've experienced with other people who've gotten fired or laid off have experienced. And I think it's all about just putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else and being like, Mm -hmm. shit, you know, like this is going to be a really hard conversation. Um, And it's stressing, you know, stressing that it's not, it's just not a good fit for whatever reason, like outline the, the, 
you know, the things like the perfect person that is for this company is this, this, and that. And you are not that, but you are this, this, and that. And so you need to find a company that values that. That's it. Like having those conversations and giving people a heads up and trusting people that they're not going to do anything just because they know that they're getting, you know, laid out for five. Like they're not going to do anything. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And companies come at it from like this fear of like, oh my God, like they can't say anything. I've had to sign NDAs for Mm -hmm. every time I've gotten fired. And so I'm like, you know, I don't say names. I talk about the experience, but I'm just like, you're protecting yourself and I get it as a company. But as someone who owns a company, I'm like, if I'm ever in the position that I have to terminate somebody, it's going to be with dignity, with humanity and with Mm -hmm. grace, like, Mm -hmm. and with time, I'm going to let them know like, Hey, I think we're going to, you know, have to part ways soon. Let me give you a couple of weeks to like process and then, you know, help you move on. Exactly. And when I was first getting into HR and I would go to my senior leaders and ask, you know, why don't we handle it this way? Or why is this the status quo in HR? And it always came down to, we got to protect the company. We can't get sued. Um, This isn't a relationship. This is a business. And to your point, I understand we got to run a business. I get it. But I also think this is why there's such a... um, like there, I, maybe war of classes isn't the right phrase, but like a war, but yeah, like a war of classes where it's, you don't have to hate. Uh, it doesn't have to, I think we overcomplicate it, I think is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. And mm-hmm. I love to hear that. Let's just bring humanity back into it because believe it or not, like I'm a human, you're a human. It, we have at minimum that in common. So yeah. And I would, and I would say like most companies get sued because they treat their people like shit. Bloop. Mm-hmm. Like you really think if you tell someone, okay, I'm going to give you a month. We're going to, we're going to start transitioning yeah. you out. Um, you know, you're not a good fit for this company, but I think there's, there's, these are some companies that would be a really great fit. We're actually going to pay you that extra, extra month. And so you'll be, you'll have two months of leeway. Like, do you think that anyone would sue a company for doing that? No. Exactly. exactly. Like, <laughs> no. I work with you. It's when you start treating me like a product that I'm going to lawyer up and come back at you. So. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you've talked about how you were able to build resilience and how you, you were able to bounce back emotionally from rejection and and being terminated, but how did you bounce back professionally? Like how did Mm -hmm. you explain it on a resume or in interviews if it even came up? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think it did come up and I was like, yeah, like I, you know, I think how I explained it, I was like, yeah, at first when the first time I got fired, I was like really ashamed of it and being like, oh my God, no one can find out. Like, oh my God, I got fired. So I would just be like, oh yeah, I left or like we parted ways, you know, (laughs) like, you know, and then towards the end, I was just like, yeah, I got laid off. I got fired. It's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. And so Um, and I would let them know like, Hey, I am the type of person that's going to come in here and shake things up. Like I'm not a status quo person. And I think I'm not sure why they didn't hear me. And (laughs) they were like, Oh, you're great. And I'm like, okay. And then I came in and I was the status. I I changed things and I wanted to like change the status quo. And then it was like, that's what got me in trouble. And I'm like, but, but I told you. It's like, it's like, I came with a warning label. And I did. I did. It's here's what I think it is. I think people, I mean, it's like relationships. Like sometimes you want to hear what you want to hear. Like he's giving you every signal in the book that he's not interested, but it's <laughs> exactly here we are. And um, 
you know, one thing that you've mentioned and that we've been able to talk about offline is truly office politics. And when you look back at your corporate career, what were the things nobody told you about that you're like, you know, uh, this is this is the shit I should have been prepped for before getting my first job? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I preface this because um, I preface, preface this with with kind of like physically what I look like. And so I'm mm-hmm. like five foot, a hundred pounds. I have always a smile on my face. So I come in thinking I'm the most least threatening thing in here. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, no one's checking for me. Cause like, I'm small. I'm, I don't take up room. I don't take up space. I'm friendly. Like no one's checking for me. And, um, I wish someone had told me that w- corporate America is like high school and, you like there are cliques and there's people that you know there's the popular kids the you know the 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 um the really smart kids like the international kids like all of these things right and when you're marching to the beat of your own drum you're going to attract attention and like I didn't realize how like I didn't my high school experience wasn't great like it just it was I was like I was like doing my own thing because that's how I, you know, and so I didn't pay attention to anybody else. Like I was just like, okay, I'm here for school. And so that's how the same mentality I'm here for work. But especially in tech, there is like a relationship between your work and the people you work with. Like they, they purposely want you to be like a family or they purposely want you to be friends. And for me, that was really hard because I was just like, I'm just here to work. I have friends. I have a life. Like, you know, and so I was doing my own thing. And I wish somebody would have told me, like, when you're not playing the game, that's when you're going to get, like, you know, that's when you're going to stand out because people are going to be like, why isn't she playing? And, like, I mean mean it in things like something as simple as, like, asking for, like, a day off and, like, taking my vacation or something as big as, like, talking to the CEO of a company. Like, just because I can. And it was like, I've had experiences where like, you know, I was at this company barbecue and I was like, it was at, at the, the founder's house and it was like a, a company wide barbecue. The founder's wife grabbed me and we went to make flower crowns. And then she introduced me to the founder. And like, in my head, I'm like, this all happened organically. Like this, I I did not plan this. This was not something, but looking back, I'm like in the eyes of everybody there, like, you know, you don't interact, like, unless you have a reason to. And I'm like, my only reason was I wanted to make a flower crown and she seemed nice. (laughs) That was my reason. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I think there's such a balance and an art to it because it almost feels like you're damned if you do damned if you don't, Mm -hmm. if you do play the game, well, damn, am I, am I complicit in this whole ecosystem? But if you don't play the game, well, how do we push ahead? And I don't think there's just one answer and every situation is going to be different. Mm -hmm. But how did you or how have you, especially being an entrepreneur, reconciled, I'm here and I'm going to occupy this space, but I'm also going to be cognizant of how I come off? Mm -hmm. So I think it's different for entrepreneurship versus if you're in a company. Right. Um, and something I coach my clients to do and, and, you know, I work specifically with corporation or corporations or 
um, organizations that help support BIPOC folks. I don't do one-on-one coaching uh, a lot anymore, but um, I'm actually going to work on releasing programs for, for people eventually. (laughs) So, which is, which will be cool. I'm really excited about that. But uh, right now with my corporate clients, like what I say is like, you need to know what you're signing up for and you need to be okay Mm -hmm. with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did not know what I was signing up for. I was, I drank the Kool-Aid, be your authentic self. I am going to be my authentic self. Right. I, I drank the Kool-Aid too much. And <laughs> I didn't know that there was, there was a game. But now what I tell people is like, hey, these are the games. These are the rules. You get to choose what field you play in and what I the like players that. are. And like, unless you're going to do your own thing, you're not going to actually get the freedom to like be your full authentic self. You just have to realize, okay, what are you willing to compromise on? You know, and Mm -hmm. I would say if somebody wants to work at like a fang company, for example, understand that that's going to come at the expense of a lot of your authentic self. And that's okay. And that's okay because that having that name on your resume or those names on your resume will like make it so much easier to get a job. However, you need to understand what you're giving up and how you're expected to show up in order to thrive in those environments. And as long as you are okay and being like, okay, for, so for this amount of time, or as long as I'm making this impact, or as long as, you know, this is happening, I am okay with that. All good. The moment that stops being true is the moment that you need to get out. I could not, cannot say it better than that. That is when I do one-on-one coaching, this came up this week. What are your goals? What are your priorities? And for her, she was looking for a stepping stone. She wanted extra money. This company was going to give her that. And she's like, look, I know what it is and I know what it's not. And I say that a lot to clients. Mm -hmm. And she knew it was a stepping stone that would get her more money and more time at home. And Mm -hmm. she knew it was not a place where she was going to have work-life balance Mm -hmm. or feel supported because she is a... um, very, very high up and a woman of color herself. So... Mm -hmm. It's, but I now, ooh, and, and, uh, ooh, it's going to get a little spice. It's going to get spicy for a second. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I have clients come to me and they want everything under the sun and they do want to show up as their authentic self and have $100,000 and all these things. And there is that conversation to be had of, I wish we lived in a world where that was real. And I think we're slowly chipping very slowly chipping away at that mm-hmm. but we're very not slowly very, yes like like we're like it's in slow-mo like mm-hmm. chipping away mm-hmm. at it um and do you have advice and maybe you don't for the person who just doesn't want to hear what you said like hey you have to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. the person who is like damn it I'm gonna keep on my rose-colored glasses because one like I had one client who's like no I don't believe that I can have it all granted she was um a white woman. And, and so I, I you know, mm-hmm. she lives mm-hmm. in a different reality than I do, but I'm like, okay. And, and I said this and I said this earnestly and I still mean this. If you figure it out, let me know. And mm-hmm. you should write a book because you'll be a millionaire overnight. Cause I don't think any of us have figured it out. But, mm-hmm. um, so coming back to the question, what do you say to people who want to keep on their rose colored glasses? So I think, you know, I'm going to, and I'm a person that does have rose colored glasses too. I'm pretty optimistic. Um, but what I would say is like, keep them on, keep them on. Like if that's, that's what you want to believe is keep them on and go and try to find that. But understand that there in everything in life, there's compromise, right? In Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And so you can have it all. Like there's a, 
there's a phrase and it's like, you can have it all, but maybe not all at the same time. And so like, there will be days that maybe you do find that perfect company, but those, that company is still going to require you to work 12 hour days. Sometimes it's still going to require you to miss something that you, that you want Even if it's the perfect thing, it's still going to require compromise and not, not understanding that is really not going to get you far in life. Cause that's what life is all about. Like look at relationships, look at friendships, look at, you know, where you live nothing is perfect. Like I don't like even celebrities, like, you know, that like have technically all the things like they're not living perfect lives. And so I don't think there's such a thing as like, you know, you can have it all and it's going to all be perfect. It's like, yes, sometimes it will be, but most of the time there's going to be some sort of compromise and, and you have to figure out what are you willing to compromise on? Yeah, exactly. What are you willing to compromise on these days? Very little. <laughs> I am I am out here living my best life, like truly. And I have compromised so much in my life, mm-hmm. so much. And like from like friendships, relationships, work, like I've just compromised so much that I'm like, no, I'm not compromising. I'm a meet. I'm a, I'm over here. You can meet me up here. And what's been really really cool is that from a professional perspective and from a personal perspective, I have attracted people who rise up to the challenge. Like one of my clients that, um, that we're going to close all the, all the things and I'm super excited about it. I'm not going to, can't say it just yet, but like once everything goes through, you know, um, next week, hopefully everything will, will, will come through and, and actually not hopefully it will. I'm claiming it. it. It's going to come on Monday. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not compromising in anything with them. And I was like, this is the first time, if anything, they're compromising with me because I said no to the first contract. I was like, no, I'm holding on to my IP. And then they worked mm-hmm. with me and they're like, we want to work with you so much that we will, you know, figure it out. And like, what is it that we want to do? And we'll go back and forth. And we went back and forth for months. And like, now it's coming to fruition. And, and it's wonderful because this person at the end of that, you know, at the end of the phone in that team is vouching for me. He's like, yo, and he's, you know, he's a white male. And I'm like, he has vouched for me. He is making, he's like, he's like, I want to get you paid. And so I'm like, once you hear those words from somebody who is not you, and it's like, that's the energy I'm, I'm rolling with. If you're not coming with that energy, we cannot work together. Because no. that's not that's not what we're not a match. <laughs> like, Here's what I love most about that story because when you demand your worth and you get it immediately, yes, it's still amazing and it's great and moi 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 moi. But the when you're going back and forth for months, and I know where I where I'm at right now in my journey, I know I would be like, oh fuck, am I doing the right thing? Off, oh, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be battling some self worth issues. A, did you go through that? And B, mm-hmm. if no, how did you cultivate such a deep sense of self-worth that you were like, I don't really give a shit if we have to duke this out for three months, six months, I know what the F I'm worth. Yeah, no, I love that. And of course I went through that. Of course. Okay. Like, this is, of course. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, some, some crazy like human specimen. No, no, no. Like I, I like went through it and it, I do it. So so this is, you know, something that was told to me, um, just in my career in general, like it was like, you're not enough. And, and also again, all of these things that I have a lot of workplace trauma because it was so personal. Like I can't, I can't, like, I wish 
I, I like, I'm going to share the story and maybe it won't sound as like crazy, but like it, it was personal. I went through it. I went after, I got into a deep depression after it. Cause I was like, I don't even know how to exist in the world anymore. Um, but I had a manager and this was, unfortunately, this was a mostly, uh, POC team, you know, personal color mm-hmm. team. And mm-hmm. this is where I'm like, you know, um, even in those spaces, it can be real, really nuanced. Um, mm-hmm. It can be a really nuanced experience. Uh, so this manager, she is a black woman. And I think she was trying to do me a favor. But the way that she just phrased it was so, yep. again, did not keep me in mind <laughs> at all. Mm-mm. So she like pulls me into her office. Like, you know, she, we had just talked about something that I was in. Um, I was in performing as well or something. And I thought I was going to get fired. Instead, <laughs> what happened was that she was like, she starts off the conversation. And she's like, you're gorgeous. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I am like, where is this going? Cause it's I, like, is this about to turn into a, right? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Because again, context, I grew up as an Afro Latina from Colombia. So like, I always thought I was not exactly yeah. the norm like I never thought I was like beautiful or pretty or that anyone was checking for me because no one was because it is colorism in Latin America is a thing and you know white is right and so I'm not any of those things my hair is curly and big and my skin is um tan and yes. you know it's you know brown I have brown skin and so it's like I never thought that I was anybody's like, you know, um, version of beauty and to have someone in the workplace say that to me so blatantly and be like, no, you're gorgeous. And then she proceeded to say, your life is perfect. And everybody hates working with you because of your insecurity, because you're not aware of their insecurities. I was like, Like, she came for me. She read me. And I was like, Ma'am, I didn't know uh, that was a part of the job description as well, but here, but again, that goes back to office politics Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we'll probably dig into it a little bit. Like not all, not all skin folk are kin folk and and, I've had to learn that. Right. And this was one of those examples. Mm -hmm. And, but all that to say to go from that, and this was a five year, so it's five years. It happened in 2016. And so it's five years. And in five years to go from that to have somebody vouching for you and being like, you're worth it. And we want to wait for you. And, and some mm-hmm. like this, this organization is like, I have so much respect for it. Um, cause of what they do in the world and who runs it. And it's like a big organization for me. And, um, to have an organization again, be like, no, we're investing in you and we believe in you and vouch for you and get you paid and create opportunities. Like that is a whole worth journey in itself. So, so I've been working on this for five years because after that was said to me, I was like, I'm the problem. I'm too big. I'm, I'm not aware of people. And so, and, and it was, some of that was true. I was not aware of, of how my impact and my energy and my power, because I didn't know I had any. So like, so I was walking around thinking I was invisible doing stuff, thinking I was invisible, but people were watching me and I didn't realize that. And so so, but right after that was said to me, I went into, I like closed. I, there was no light. I did not say anything. I did not, I tried to be as small as possible. Mm-hmm. And these past five years have been kind of an unlearning of like, unlearning and relearning of like, hey, 
I am worth me. I'm worth something. Not only that, but like my light shines so bright and it's, and for those who it's blinding, that's, it's not meant for you. You're put on your sunglasses, try to see me because there's so many other people that are like, wow, she's so inspiring. Wow. She's so motivating. Wow. She's amazing. And I don't say that to like, you know, like, you know, just put that on myself, but these are things that people say to me and I'm like, really? And so I'm still learning how to see myself. And so, and so it's, 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 it's a journey. You know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's such, you've lived in the duality of in one community, you aren't, you are invisible. And then you go to this other community Mm -hmm. and not only are you visible, but you're shining. Like, so (laughs) I'm shining. It's almost like, uh, it's like Hannah Montana. It's like, which one am I? You know what I mean? So it's, um, yeah, but the, the learning and unlearning is really powerful. I had a guest on and she said that, She's like, I think our like your twenties and thirties are just, like your twenties are learning all the shit you need to unlearn, and then your thirties are just like unlearning mm-hmm. all the shit, you know. So, um, that's that's really well. Congratulations on everything, and Thank you. you know, at, at the time of recording, it's we're we're going into Q four. This will um, be up before the new year. I think we're all really looking at twenty twenty two with. At least I'm looking at it with like hungry energy. Like, okay, I've had two years to kind of, you know, let some things percolate, simmer. I'm ready to really go at it in 2022. How do you start the process of goal setting and designing what your year is going to look like? What do you do? Oh, I love that. And before we go there, I really want to like praise you for putting words that I hadn't really thought of together. You said, you're invisible in one community and you're visible and shining in another. And that's exactly the experience. And yeah. it's like, I'm like, Take it. Lear- I'm, learning, <laughs> I'm learning how to yeah. be invisible is very difficult. And yes. I think for a lot of um, underrepresented folks, BIPOC folks, black folks, um, especially again, women of color, you're not invisible. You're quite the opposite of that. And that's exactly why you have to take into account what what are you willing to compromise and what are you not? Because every space you walk into, people are gonna look at you, even if you even if you play small, people are still gonna be checking for you. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to to my women of color listening, own that and be like, okay, if people are gonna look at me, what is it that I'm trying to get noticed for? And in this game, how is that gonna help me? Right? Really think about that. Because if I had known that, if I had known just how much, how shiny I really was, I would have done some shit differently, you know? Exactly. Oh, my God. And I can't speak for you, but I know looking back, I tried so hard to blend in for so long. And Mm -hmm. it's so crazy to the things I love now about myself, I fucking resented all through high school, college Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, early my early professional years. And and thankfully it's never too late, but it's lean into your strengths instead of trying to overcompensate what you feel mm-hmm. you lack. Yeah. But. And exactly. And, and, you know, going back to your original question about how do you plan for 2022, right. Um, and tying it back to something that was said, you know, I think as um, underrepresented folks, uh, BIPOC folks as an Afro-Latina black woman, like, um, you know, resilience was part of 
my DNA and mm-hmm. it is a lot. It's still there. And I read this quote on Instagram and it's like, I don't want to be called resilient in my life ever again. I don't, I, I would, I don't want to. Um, I think I will still have some stuff to be resilient for, but I, I would yeah. prefer not to. And so when I'm planning my year before, when I first started my company, I was like, oh, I want to make a million dollars tomorrow. I like <laughs> want to do all of these things mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. As I'm planning 2022, I'm like, how do I balance myself and my business? And how do I create a stability for myself for next year? So that I'm able to just enjoy what I've created. And so many entrepreneurs, I feel like, spend the first few years hustling and grinding Mm -hmm. and, you know, making all of this money. And then when it comes time to enjoy it, like, it's really hard for them to. And so I realized, I was like, I'm not, no, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. But I am also celebrating where I am and so next year it's not about for me it's not about hunger it's about balance and it's about Mm -hmm. okay I have my first few months my first six months figured out that's amazing like that's a blessing like I'm I'm gonna have all my bills paid for the next six months right and maybe longer because there is there is new new stuff coming that um that I'm not sure exactly what how that will add but I'm like okay cool. So what is it that I want to do with that? Right? What, how do I want to spend my first half? And do I, you know, what, what do I want to create for people now that I have this stability? Um, You know, and then when is the appropriate time to start looking for the next six months, right? And so, um, you know, kind of figuring all, all of that out and like sitting down and being like, okay, like maybe for the first three months, I'm just going to create right? I'm just going to create and like make guides and, you know, make content and like Mm -hmm. really enjoy that because I am, I am able to do that. And then for the next, next three months, it's like, I'm going to, you know, plan for the next six months. Right. And maybe take a step back from creating. And so it's not like, how can I do everything at once? But it's like, when is the season to do the things that I do feel I need to, I want to do and I want to create and I want to give to the world. That is the lesson I'm currently in. If you were to ask me, what have you been compromising, Jasmine? It would be a lot of time, sleep, and sanity. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming out of a season of burnout. And it all I, I, I've just had to learn very much the hard way. Uh, yes, you got to do that. Your hustling season, like, you, you know, you got to plant those seeds, but don't forget to also enjoy the harvest. And mm-hmm. um mm-hmm bask in like your feminine energy and Mm -hmm. just allow yourself to create because also like I heard a quote and I had heard it before but scared money doesn't make money and I Mm -hmm. think for a for a good six months there I was like but what if I'm not popping in six months I need to like like Mm -hmm. and I I think I was operating from a place of scarcity that I don't Mm -hmm. believe in otherwise so uh so yeah so that really touched me on a Yeah. And, and, you know, just to kind of, kind of, um, and, and that thought, like, I'm also speaking from, like, the worst financial situation I've ever been in my life, you know, I was very highly financially successful early on, like, I was very privileged in that I had a really amazing credit score, and I had money saved up. And that is not the case right now. (laughs) And (laughs) That's part of entrepreneurship, you know, and, and I had, I have two choices 
I'm like, okay, let's enjoy what I can or let's, or like, let me hustle and just like, be like, okay, well, when I'm making X amount of dollars and I have X amount in the bank, then I can enjoy things. And I'm like, that's not, that's, you know, that's not what I want to do. It's like, okay, great. Maybe I can't treat myself to all of the things that I want right now. But like yesterday, after I got these really, this really good news about this, um, this company, um, I went to get ice cream and I got myself flowers and I got myself ramen and it was like, you know, it was, I think it was like, I spent, I think I calculated, I spent like 50 bucks and I was like, this is what I can afford right now. And that's okay. And like, when maybe in like a few years I can splurge on a trip. And I can spend, I've been wanting to do this place in Key West. It's $1,500 a night. And I'm like, maybe in like a few years when I get a really great contract or when I get a really great like news article or like, you know, get a feature or, you know, whatever, I can spend that. But right now I can only spend $50 and it's fine. And And that's, yes. And and that's okay. And and, then you enjoy that. Right. And I did, I like was walking around with flowers and ice cream and my puppy. And I was Uh like, this is a man listening to some Shaka Khan because I love her. Uh And like, I was just living my life. And I'm like, I never want to, as an entrepreneur, I never ever want to get to the point where the deals stop mattering. I talked to somebody who's a really big entrepreneur and then I was like, do you still get excited about these things? She's like, no, you know, just, okay, whatever. And I was like, I never want to become that because I don't care if it's, if it's like a $1,000 or if it's like a million dollars, like I truly want to value everything for what it is and celebrate every little thing. Before we go, um, but well, actually, before we get into the rapid fire, uh, where can everyone like keep up with you and what projects Mm -hmm. do you have that you're, you can share with us? Yeah. So, um, you can find me at Curious Kata and then at Catalyst Creation underscore. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Catalina Peña, and then you can, um, go to my website, catalystcreation.co. Um, in terms of projects I can share with you, uh, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely like, again, I'm in a season of building, so there's nothing else. It's funny. There's nothing I can literally offer right now, <laughs> except good energy. And so if you want oh, good energy and if you that. want, you know, something that I'm, I've been doing for like the reels and TikTok is, is just like, you know, taking time to talk kind of like Tabitha Brown style and being like, Hey, you deserve the world. Um, so yeah, if you need a little bit of that in your life like that, you know, you can go follow me and, uh, and in Q1 of next year, I think I'm going to be releasing some, some pretty cool things like guides and, you know, just a lot more content, um, really geared towards like the job search. Uh, but you know, right now is not that time right now. I'm blessed and busy and I'm like, I, I, I don't have time to create content. And so I'm like, all right, cool. This is amazing. Exactly. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to hop into the rapid fire and we just have uh, three questions. And the first Mm -hmm. is when was a time either professionally or personally that you realized the right thing and the hard thing could be the same? Ooh, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. So I have a person. So I'm going to do professional because the person was like, hit too deep, hit too deep. But like (laughs) professional. um, Well, actually, no, I think I think I think both of them. It's professional and personal. It's not like one time. I'm not going to talk about one specific time. So I'm going to walk away. And that Mm -hmm. is the hardest lesson 
ever because what you want and what you desire isn't sometimes is not the right thing for you and it's not the and it's the hardest thing to walk away like I have walked away from a lot of amazing things amazing people and it's not because I've wanted to but it's because I knew I had to and that is the yeah it's the hardest thing and but it's good for you in the long run because I look back and I'm like I look at the life that I've cultivated now and the things I've walked away from and the fears I've faced and I'm like yo I'm living the most authentic version of myself and it took a lot of blood sweat and tears (laughs) a lot of low days a lot of a lot of hard things but I am so at peace and like yeah and and that came because I walked away and like I walked away and I chose myself and I chose the feeling and I chose whatever it was that was telling me to to you know that this was kind of the end of the road and also understanding that there can still be a relationship with what you walked away from maybe not the same yeah but totally the same relationship because now I still work in tech right I can't be a worker in tech but I can partner with ERGs and work with their, you know, coach them. And like, that's exciting. And it, it, you know, it's not ever going to be my main thing, but it's, you know, kind of like, <laughs> it's I, still there. Exactly. Oh man, that was, that was perfect. Yes. I could see that applying personally, professionally, um, which is also just a great reason to never burn a bridge unless you mm-hmm. like, I guess, absolutely need to, because you can always work with somebody again. Mm-hmm. And the next question is, what is the one thing about wealth management and or business that few people know, but you wish everyone knew? Mm-hmm. Um, just negotiate your salary, negotiate mm-hmm. your salary and save mm-hmm. as much as you can and invest that money, you know, invest it. Because like, I think now there's a lot more information about it. But when I was, I, I you know, there was a time where I had a lot of money saved up and I could have like, you know, done a lot with it. And instead I live my life and, and I don't, it's not regret because I'm like that. I lived a pretty good life. I went and traveled, I did all the things, but I wish that I had known how to make my money work for me in a way that, um, you know, that would have helped me out now, but also not to be scared of the things that everybody take, tells you to be scared of. Right. So like, I think debt is a real thing and like it's yeah, super right. scary. It's a super scary thing. Like people like are like, don't ever get into debt. Reality is sometimes you, you, you're going to have to. And mm-hmm. whether that's for school, whether that's your business, whether that's your, um, you know, starting a side project, whatever it is, sometimes you're going to have to do that. And it's thinking about what's the smartest way to do this and making or taking a really calculated risk and being like, okay, for a few years, this is, here's how it's going to play out and here's how it's going to be. But don't be afraid of it because rich people make money with debt. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, it takes money to make money. And when you don't have money and you can't find money because people are not funding you, sometimes you need to get resourceful. And it's like, what is the best option for you? I could not agree more. And I think sometimes you have to like live it and live through it to to land there. But preach. Ooh, and one thing preach. is accepting help. Oh, now, Catalina, accepting, I just feel like that was directed at me. Accepting help. No, no. Because oh. I, so I was talking to, it wasn't directed at you. But no, it was no, no, no. Directed- 
It was directed at, it was accepting help because for me, like I've been supporting myself since I was 17. Like I left and I was supporting myself. Like I was working, I was doing, my mom helped me a little bit, but I like, you know, had a full ride. I was working. I did all the things. So when it came time to allowing people to invest in me and allowing people to like help me and be like, oh yeah, like you're not falling like you used to. That was really hard. And that was the lesson I learned these last few months. I'm like, some stuff got pushed back. I had to ask for financial help and like being okay with being like, okay, like this is okay. No one mm-hmm. makes it alone. And like yes. taking and taking some help is not like whatever help is available to you. Like exactly. whether that is that, if that's someone paying for your meal or, you know, someone not ask, like taking you on an extravagant experience and not asking for anything. Right. Oh. Um, like I, I say that because I, I, you know, in like in the, like this season where I'm like probably the finance, the most financially unstable I've been, I've also been able to like, you know, ride in like really expensive cars and like at no cost. And I'm like, this is what like and be on boats at no cost. And I'm just like, oh my uh, god, no. like this is. I, I mean, I live in Miami, so you know, it's not that but that far of a stretch, but like. Uh, just accepting that and being like, okay, like, well, even, no, the, even- reason, <laughs> the reason I said that was one of my girlfriends, um, or I, she's more of a professional connection, but, uh, she, I think she was being courted to do same thing. She does coaching in tech actually. And she was like, uh, my bank account might be crying, but I'm on a yacht right now. Cause this right. is like the dinner they wanted to do to right. court me for this thing they right. want me to do. So I'm like, Right. Exactly. And and it's allowing yourself to like receive that. And sometimes when yeah. you're in not the most shiny place, like financially, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't deserve that. I need to be watching out for this. Like, no, you could you could do that. Like afford yourself little luxuries that you can. But if someone else can give you more luxuries, like, yes. you know, yes, accept those. Um, because everybody. And so I was talking to a friend. She's she's like a budding coach. And she recently got married and her partner, and she's like, I just feel like I'm not contributing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you have a partner that is willing to support you. And you know what? As a a single woman, I wish, I wish, like that, that is the next thing I'm manifesting. And so hopefully by the time this comes out, like I have, you know, that has manifested for me. But um, I wish I had someone to help. In any way, shape, or form, not just financially, just any way, shape, or form, consistently. Emotionally, exactly. Well, and it's so funny because, I mean, I can have your your friend on for a whole show because I went, what's weird is when we first got married, I helped my husband pay off his student debt and I didn't think anything of it. Like I was mm-hmm. happy to do it. But I remember when I had to come to him because for a season I could not, I actually, this is the first month I started helping out with bills again. Yay. Um, yeah. And he was even like, you don't even have to do this, but it, it's like a, I know it's a pride thing. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was like, a, yeah, like eight months I couldn't help. And, I would like in the beginning, like the first three months, I just kept crying and hating myself. And he's like, Mm -hmm. what? Like, he's like, Mm -hmm. Chaz, Mm -hmm. just like you helped me pay off my student loans. And like, I, cause I carried like the agreement we had is I paid the bills. He paid off his student loans. And he's like, now I'm helping you build your business. I'm happy to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I had to really get out of my own ego to be like, girl, Mm-hmm. You took some very serious vows with this man. You better mm-hmm. let this man pay this rent and yeah. get over yourself. So exactly, yeah. exactly. And like you know, for me, it came in the um, 
in the form of like my family and my parents, right? Like, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, we didn't come here with much. And so my whole life was, I'm not going to be an expense to anyone. And learning that since when you're nine, like that's a really hard lesson to change. And so my mom didn't really help me um, through, like she did help me a little bit, but she didn't help me like a lot, like maybe a, right. a, a hundred, a few hundred dollars every few months. But like that wasn't, you know, and I, I acknowledge a lot of people don't have that. So it's, I'm not trying to minimize that. I have a lot of privilege, but like the things that was years ago and you know and she was helping my sister out so that that was also part of the reason but now it's my season right (laughs) now it's my season to get help and like having to like ask your parents for help at at 30 it just hits so hard and I'm just like oh my god and she's like I'm happy to do this like don't you worry about it and I'm like and you know, it's, it's healing that and healing the fact that you don't have to carry everything yourself. You don't have to do everything. And and it's like, you know, that's okay. And part of being an entrepreneur is like being able to lean on your village. Um, and because you're not going to be able to do it alone. That's it. You're not. Thank you. I needed that. Um, well, the final, final question I have for you is complete this sentence. Ooh. The best way to handle a toxic work environment is to blank. Is to leave. Like walk away mm-hmm. with a smile. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> but, but like, I, like as someone who's gotten fired and, 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 um, and laid off, I have, if I were to call every single one of the people with the exception of one person who like, you know, came for my looks, <laughs> like, nah, like, we're not, I'm not, I'm good. We're not cool. We're not cool. But at those companies, either with the managers or with the people I worked with, because that's the thing, it was never about the, it was never about, about my work. So the clients I served are still, you know, I have at, at all of these companies, at least I think staff engineer level people that I could call and be like, Hey, I need a favor. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it's always being like, walk away and maintain the bridges that you can, because I was able to partner with one person who's a staff engineer at one of the companies. I consistently hit other people up and it's like, Hey, can I introduce you to somebody? Um, you know, with, with one of the companies that I, that I worked with, like, um, you know, I have, I have that person, you know, I have those people that I can call and introduce or whatever. So, so it's, it's, it's just walking away and, and, and keeping what you can, um, you know, like toxic relationships are similar, right? There's good times and there's bad times, keep the good times and keep, and understand that you deserve more than the bad times, right? The bad times don't have to be that bad. Um, and it's all about knowing your worth. It, it, it literally is like, I deserve better than this. I deserve to go to a work environment where I am praised and I am supported and I get time off and I, you know, I am able to balance, you know, um, not every day, but like most days. And yeah, I don't have to hustle. I think it was like one of the one of the one of the quotes that I've seen is like rest is revolutionary. Like our ancestors <gasps> did not get to rest. So they had to work a lot. And, and and like our ancestors really didn't they they weren't working because they wanted to work. They were working because they had to. Somebody was telling them, somebody owned them, right? And so why are you at that job if they're not treating you right? 
<laughs> like you have a choice, my friend. You have a choice, a choice that a lot of a lot of our ancestors never in a million years like even imagined, but they were imagining it imagining it for their future generations. So like I think it's respecting that and being like, you know, this is so much bigger than just me. Rest is revolutionary. Rest is, is revolutionary. Catalina, thank you so much. That, for and that's being not on. my quote. That's you, somebody else's quote. So don't quote me on that. I'm like, give credit where credit due. I don't know who, no. who I don't know whose quote that is, but I saw it on Instagram a bunch. And I was like, rest is revolu- rest, revolutionary. And that really hit me. I'm like, yes, it is. Like we deserve it. Especially, that. especially if you are a black person, mm-hmm. uh, Afro-Latino person, or have African ancestry, like take your fucking sick day. Take your <laughs> vacation day. <laughs> Take your lunch, lunch, take your your lunch, take your your coffee break. They are paying you and you, you're paying before your time, but that's it. Like add to that, take your ass home. Like there were way too many nights. I was there at like 7, 8 PM trying. No, 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 no. No. And and this is for everybody. That message is for everybody, but especially, especially if you're black, Mm -hmm. because it's like, bro. Really? <laughs> Come on. We need to we need to we need to make this the norm. Well, you've been absolutely incredible. I know every single person listening is getting not just one, like a gazillion things, but definitely many things from today's episode. So you are always welcomed and thank you again. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. I think doing podcasts is like a form of therapy I didn't realize I needed because it is, it's just a healing conversation. And I truly like, if you're listening, wherever you are, if you are in a tough spot, keep going, it gets better. Allow yourself to feel your feelings. Um, If you're, if you think it's toxic, it's toxic, leave. (laughs) And if you're in, if you're in a, in a bright spot and you are living your life and really enjoying things, enjoy it, like live it. Don't be scared of it. You deserve it.